work on our hearts, to work on our minds, and we call it through this letter, come together and stop divisions. We call us to have joy, joy that you is not in this world on their own, but in relationship with Christ. So we thank you. We pray for blessings over this hour. Bless all those that are here. Bless those that have desired to be with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, let's do this. Um, last week we tackled uh, we tackled what? What did we look at last week? Anybody have it in front of them? We look at Philippians 1, 12, 2, 30. And we, we look at what? This idea of time years when we, we, we recap what we talked about two weeks ago. Um, far as the, the origin, if you will, of the letter and some of the themes. Um, if there's one word to kind of summarize uh, this letter, what would it be? One word. No, not even joy. Joy. Yeah, joy, right? And last week we talked about um, this idea of what? Pioneer, pioneering, and false, false effort, and uh, furthering the gospel, right? We talked about the importance of defending. And so we're going to kind of pick up uh, right, uh, right where we left off. We're going to look now at the second chapter of verses 1, one through 11. Where this letter again? Give, give me some unique characteristics of this letter. Where, where's this letter written from? Prison. Written from prison. Where is he at? More than likely. Okay, yeah, he's in Rome. He writes this letter from prison. Um, what type of uh, situation is he in in the prison? He's got the palace guard with him, right? 24 7. Change. Yep. Change of the guard. The palace guards. And so, uh, if, you, if you don't know, you know, it's hard to imagine this letter is being written from prison. <laughs> because of the fact. Look, how many of us want to write from prison with, with joy on our hearts? Let's put it that way. Not too many of us, right? I want to to be a joyous letter. Paul understands um, what? what? What is the thing that we talked about? That single mindedness, right? That single mindedness that uh, whatever the Lord allows to happen is happening to do what? For the gospel. So again, the theme is the joy of the Lord. Uh, chapter 1 was that single mind. Now we're going to look at the submissive mind in chapter 2, and then chapter 3, the spiritual mind in chapter 4 is the secure, the secure mind. Let's go ahead then and, and open up uh, in the second, the second chapter. And uh, Minister Green did mention unity, and, and that is really, uh, when we talk about the beginning of this, we talk about the submissive mind that's but it's the crux, if you will, outside of the end of it. But it's the crux of it is this idea of unity. Again, what are what are the things that Paul deals with? It's, it's a picture of the best church that we have, right? You said that. But even with that being said, you're dealing with still dealing with humans, so they've got some issues, they've got some problems. But what are the two what are the two main problems that we that we see right here in this in this letter? Yeah. 
Yeah, but the letter itself, what, what are we seeing in the city of Philippi? Who, who brought word back to Paul? Aphroditus. Yeah. And, 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 and he said there's what? There's division within the church, right? And then there's also opposition from outside the church. So those are the two things that, that Paul has been dealing with um, when he writes to the the two background things that he's writing well, Although there's joy, although there's, this is a picture of the most mature church that we have that Paul writes to in the New Testament, there is still some stuff that has to be dealt with. That's a good lesson for us. We're never going to be perfect. Church is never going to be perfect. If you ever find a perfect church, then you get up and leave. Alright? And I need to get up and leave. It's never going to be a perfect situation. Let's uh, let's go ahead and, and look at a, look at a few things. Um, uh, the theme, if you will, is the great example. Paul was facing opposition in Rome in southern Philippi. Pythodius, who we talked about him, had brought a gift from Philippi and the news that there was division within the church. We had some false teachers, and then we also had members uh, that have that have disagreements. Paul was pushing for unity, not uniformity. We understand that. This is not a cookie cut situation, right? The Lord has given us uh, a unique personality for a reason. Alright? That's why we need to appreciate what we have. The Lord built us the way he built us for a reason. So Paul's not saying, I need cookie cutter. He's saying, I, I need you to, to utilize your gift, the gift that God has given you. But at the same time, your gift should not trump anybody else's gift. That's, that's the problem with a lot of us is, is what we think is our gift is stuck to people and hurt people. If it's not building up the body of Christ, not edifying the body, it's not a, it's not a spiritual gift. Yes, the best picture, or we got a couple of pictures, but one of the best pictures is that. Is uh, the body. We talk about the, the, the church being the body. And uh, you know, the body doesn't have, in most situations, doesn't have four, four hands. And, and if we understand the unique situation, but, but for the most part, like you said, the body complements complements the even um, and that goes back to ministries. You know, that's, that's why we shouldn't be competing. We don't talk about competing when we talk about this because Paul talks about not taking pride in the point and competing with God. There shouldn't be any competing right here in this open I mean, Look, one of the worst, one of the most damaging things that we had in the preachers came from the pastors came from I have I have no I have no reason to, to be upset or be jealous of anybody's ministry. You know, the Lord has given me what he's given me, so if he's going to bless me, I'm all I'm obedient around that. You start looking at other folks and start getting jealous of where they're at, you're in trouble. That's what Satan wants. Satan wants us to constantly be looking at folks' stuff and be jealous. Be jealous of that. Uniformity is the result of pressure from without. Paul attempts to appeal spiritual motives, to appeal to spiritual motives since they were in Christ. Let's let's do this. It's two, uh, second chapter one through eleven. I think it 
I like I like that idea of kind of reading that together. Um, and, and that way we have a big picture and kind of break it down. I tell you what, um, I'm obligated because I'm going to have somebody read probably. Therefore, if there is any consolation or encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, feel my joy by being like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant or a slave, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of course there's going to be some passages in there that are Most of us, that's all we can find there, like, 
So the humble yields to Christ to be a servant. And this is a good point. See, this is not about a religious woman. See, a lot of us think again, we can allow her to walk with us, we've got something. No, that's that's not that's not that's not a picture of Christ. You know, everybody will pull out and just turn up cheap. And everybody saying, let's go along. But you look at Christ. Um, Christ dealt with some issues. He dealt with some issues. He, he was not. Jesus was not a good man. Paul, Paul was not a good man. They, they really flipped this idea of serving him. So we're not a, we're not a religious, religious good man. We're servants for Jesus' sake. Somebody put Second Corinthians 4 and 5. And I'll have you read that. Paul gives four examples, and this is um, what we'll look at over the next few weeks. Four examples of the submissive kind. Jesus Christ, that's two, one through eleven, that's what we're going to look at today. Again, there's an example of the submissive kind. Uh, the second is Paul himself. What's that? Yes, sir, second Corinthians four and five. And then Timothy is the uh, third example of the submissive mind. Again, this is the Paul talks about in this chapter. And then Epaphroditus is one of the last examples when he has a submissive mind. So, does somebody have 2 Corinthians 4 5? Uh, 2 Corinthians, the fourth uh, chapter, verse 5. For whose sake? Jesus said. For what we do, we do for Jesus' sake. For servants for his sake. So again, the great example. He thinks of others and not himself. He thinks of others and not and not himself. That's five, that's five through six. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of robbery, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal, to be equal with God. The mind of Christ means the attitude of Christ exists. The outlook determines the outcome. How many believe that? You better be able to speak. But, but the outlook determines um, the outcome. What does that mean?
So this mind of Christ business. What does that mean? What's the mind of Christ in Let this mind be in you, this mind of Christ in What is that? Yeah, what was it? A huge mind. Is it the attitude of Christ? But the mind of Christ means the attitude of Christ. Not us just saying it, but in action. Form of God, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal, to be equal with God. Let me make sure we understand what this idea of form of God. We're not talking about the size of God. What we're talking about, we're talking about the essence, the nature. The essence or the nature of Jesus. Jesus is equal to God. In eternity's pains. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the form, the form of God. So he's saying, who being in the form of God is not considered robbery to be equal with God. Alright? What we have to, and we're getting ready to kind of dig into this idea of humiliation. When he came down from glory, he came down. You see, many times we, we miss that. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to a, a theologian before and they will talk about it, how we just kind of fly past this idea that he came down on the throne. He was in perfect unity with himself, the spirit and with the Father. So he literally, there's a humiliation. There's, there's a coming down when he came down. The incarnation. That's not an easy thing. Alright? And, and, and so this, this passage right here is saying um, he looked at death and saw what the Father had for him. He did not consider that. Keep in mind, he's equal. He's equal to God. This, these, these passages coming up are one of, we talked about incarnation of Christ. These are one of the more poignant statements of incarnation in the past. Trying to figure out what happened in the beginning. 
Just a random one. In the first part, what we're talking about is unity. I still, still don't know what happened to that part. But basically, the, the unification idea is that we don't put ourselves before. Alright, that's one through four. I've already read it. Um, I'll look for those passages, a few passages that I want to go over. Um, but we, we have to make sure that what we do is put others before us. Right, that's, that's, and I talked about it a little bit, but I had a few notes on there, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I, where I lost it. So eternity past, Jesus Christ was God, our people was God. Colossians 1 and 5 talks about that. Jesus did not think of himself, he thought of others. Jesus did not keep his privilege for himself. Most people, listen to this, can handle tasks, get paid. Leaders can handle privilege. Think about your jobs. Most of us, we do what we do because we get paid, right? Most of us struggle when it comes to privilege. Right? There's, a, there's a quote out there, and I don't think I have to know. There's a quote out there saying that if you really want to, if you really want to deal with someone and see their character, give them privilege. But most of us will do what? We'll take advantage of privilege, right? And that will never bring up our character. If you want to really see somebody leadership skills and, and where they're at, give them, give them some privilege. But most people can handle tasks, get paid. Leaders and true leaders, don't worry about that, get going. Uh, true leaders can handle privilege. See the contrast in Christ's attitude with Lucifer and Adam. I thought Lucifer did a good job of that. He talked about the awful and his humble spirit. Think about Adam. Think about Adam where? In the garden. Right? He had an opportunity. He basically had his hands on everything in there. So he he literally went for the one thing that he was not supposed to do. Right? Obviously, the difference of the spirit. And then we talk about Lucifer. We talk about Satan. Right? The fall of Satan. Right? Again, uh, contrast, this idea of pride. Satan was what? Choir master, right? Choir master. Uh, really a leader, right? When he left, how many when he failed, how many um, how many demons did he take with him? How many angels did he take with him? Two thirds, what he But he took a lot when he failed. So you see a contrast. So Lucifer invaded the attempted man to reveal. Man wanted to grasp after something outside his home. His home. Christ's humility versus Satan's pride. Basically, Satan wanted to be the creator. Now, I've got that if you look at Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. We are called to prefer, to prefer one another, to edify one another, and to bear each other. Again, we talk about this idea of humility and Christ's humility. So he thinks of others, not himself, as verses 2, or chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. In um, that same chapter, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of me. And now we're going to look at this idea of him servant, his servant, right? 
we have his humility, his humbleness, in the first part, where it talked about uh, literally him coming with a humility and a humble spirit. Right now, we're going to look at this servant in a second. Jesus thought of others and became a servant. It's one thing to think that we have humility. That's why I'm going to ask you. It's one thing to think that we're humble and think that we have humility about ourselves. We have, that's something that you have to act on. I can't tell you I'm humble and that'd be it. Right? I can't, I can't tell you that I'm certain and never serve. Alright? In order to, to consider uh, serving one has to actually Many times what we do is we don't take we don't take our Christianity and we don't put it into action. Right? That's why Sundays, that's why we can do Sundays and be okay. But it's like it's the Sunday. Really, Sunday you get your marching order. That's, that's when it's the start. We, we see it's the culmination. No. Sunday church is the start of it. Then you go out. Then you go outside and pull some paper ball. Yes, sir. He's got to be fully God. 
but it also has to be pure to remain. Alright? And so this this emptying himself does not mean him getting rid of his divinity. Alright? But it's a laying aside. Okay? Um, he's still he's still God here, right? He has to be God. He's the God man. Alright? But 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 um, there was some stuff that he laid aside in order to prove it. And we're going to go and dig deeper into that. Alright? Because you have to have him. You know, in fact, they wrestled that in the first century. Um, you know, a lot of people said that the Spirit left him while he was here. And then uh, they have him on the cross being only man. And again, if you, if you don't have him fully, fully God, you're in trouble. Thank you. 
Yes, you would felt the same thing as that. Does that what you mean physically? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. He, he, he knows what it means to, to, to have a mess. He knows what it means to have a pain in <laughs> He used that body to be a servant. He took that body to the cross and willingly died. It won't take my life, I give my life. Make sure you have that lined up. All right. Christ had visited Earth on occasions for a special mission. Right? You do have you do have Christ in the Old Testament. Right? Make sure you make sure you understand that. So there would have been um, Christ. In fact, this is eighteen. Uh, Shows up. That's going to be Abraham, right? That's going to be Abraham again, uh, right there. Two would have come. Um, uh, you have Christ in the Old Testament. And, and, and periods, right? The op- that's a little bit of the opposite. Op- the Bush. Yeah, you thought the actual rail itself? Yeah. Well, that's going to be a picture. That'll be a picture of the perfect sacrifice. Um, but the, the actual figure of Christ would have been an actual figure. Uh, because we have, one, we have the spirit. We come to the spirit, so say, right? So we have the physical um, being of God, and that be Christ. That would be Christ. Not you're, you're right on that. So, so, so what I'm saying is that he would have come down in time. Alright, don't have Jesus starting in Matthew. Alright, he is eternity past. You can't have him start in Matthew. He, he always will. The Spirit always will. Alright, God always, always will. When Christ was born in Bethlehem, he entered into a permanent union with humanity. He willingly humbled himself that he might lift us. It was the true expression of his innermost nature. That's that God nature. It was the true expression of his innermost nature. Jesus served without the gospel. Whenever you talk about um, whenever you talk about Jesus, what do you see him doing with the gospel? Never, in fact, uh, what's the gospel focuses on a certain thing? Matthew deals with he deals with Christ and, and, and the Jewishness of Christ, if you will. Um, what is what John? John? John the Evil. Right? Luke? Luke's just the Luke's servant, right? Luke would be the one to focus on servant. But all of them, because Mark focuses on, on God's name. But all of them, if, if you read the Gospels, all of them 
point to God, to Jesus coming as a servant. That's what I was saying a couple minutes ago. We can't say the servant and not be in our servant. Jesus gave the best example of serving who? And we can pull, and we're going to deal with the, we're going to deal with the gospel in the desert soon. Just pull the head of them. I think the example I use right here was a feet wash. But there's not a more powerful picture of serving who? And it's Jesus himself who was what? Washing feet. What was this reserved uh, in this in this culture? Who washed feet? Who was that reserved for? Slaves. And, and, and let's make sure we understand that culture when we're talking about that feet washing. Look, and we know there were no paved roads. That, that was, we didn't have too many paved roads. Right? We didn't have too many Nikes and all, all that. And so you're talking about washing the feet of someone who would have literally walked in dust and mud with sandals made. So that was reserved for slaves. So that, that's that picture of, of serving. Jesus took the place of a slave to provide an example of serving. That's what I had to do. The washing. The washing of the So he serves. He thanks others. He thanks of others on himself. He serves. And then in eight we see that he sacrifices. Again, we're talking about the example. The great example. Many will serve others if it does not cost them anything. It's easy to serve in another topic, right? And it's real easy to serve if it doesn't cost you anything. We're all servants until it, until it requires that we go into our pockets. But one of the, uh, one of the interesting things you can do is um, who here says coffee if you need anything? You say it. How many of us, you say it, how many of us need it? When folks really call us up, they need something. It's a whole different law now. You know, it's, just, it's a little different when they actually call it. You're like, oh, I didn't tell them to call me anything. Right, right. I didn't think they need that. I didn't think they meant it 2 a.m. and $400. Right. 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 We're talking about true, true servants that are required that you. We're talking about true servants. Put your money where your, where your mouth is and sacrifice it. Many will serve others if it does not cost them anything. But Jesus was obedient even until death. <coughs> where is this point? Oh, this how we get the money thing. Any blessing there must be some bleed. Any blessing there must be some bleed. The submissive mind does not avoid sacrifice. It looks for how Christ can be honored. Sacrifice the servants go together. Sacrifice the servants go together. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The submissive mind leads to joy because it makes us more like Christ. The question is, is Christianity costing you? Now the people used to say this, and, and 
Yeah, we have a problem with perspective. You know, not willing to sacrifice. I agree with you. There's a little part of the problem. And we all grow in different ways, and we've all had some time, you know. Um, but for the most part, we should have a humble spirit. When you look at this right here, we talk about this humiliation and what he can have these things down. See, we talk about coming down from glory and everybody. You know, I'm not sure we really dissect that thing of what he left. We see a light that gives you a perspective. 
God, here we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to dig deep into you. Thank you for those so that we can be humble. So I just pray that you can be called us to be right now. Thank you. Minds and thoughts of the future. We just thank you for this awesome opportunity that we have now. We're going to take this with you. We pray for those that are grieving and weeping now. We pray for those that are struggling with those that are in the death of the nation. Rest them. Sick man to you. Give strength to Bless all those that are here in the Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> 